This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Others could see that this man could not see they could see what this man could not see, that Jesus could heal them. So they brought him to Jesus. This man could not speak for himself. He couldn't ask Jesus to heal him. He needed for others to speak for him and ask the Lord Jesus to heal him, which is what happened in verse 22, then was brought unto him, one possessed with the devil. Others could ask the Lord for the healing of this man because he couldn't ask for himself, so they bring him. So in verse 22, there is present there an unseen, I'm going to say others because I'm assuming it's more than one. I don't know, it might have been just one. But there's someone or some persons unseen. So we're going to call them the unseen others who brought this man to the Lord. Now when you look at that scene, it speaks to us about what prayer really means. What is the real meaning of prayer for the lost in verse 22? We, in prayer, are represented by those unseen others. We are the unseen others. The man who could not see or speak for himself represents a lost person. He's lost. He needs healing from his lost condition. And just like those unseen others who brought the Lord brought to the Lord this man, they did it for a reason. They did it, one, because they cared about that man. Just like we bring a lost person in prayer to the Lord because we care about that person. We, We care about that person, and we want to see that person healed and saved from his being lost condition. They loved that man. They loved that man that they, and they cared about, and they loved him with a, with a we talked about before compassion understanding they loved about that they loved that man with a compassion they loved that they had a compassionate love 
They love that man because they felt the pain of that man not being able to see. They felt the frustration of that man wanting to say something but not being able to have his voice be heard. And that elicited for them a love, a love that felt the pain of another person. We care for a lost soul. We want to see him healed and saved from his inability to see the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior. We want to see his lips of that lost person unsealed so that he can pray as a child of God and be heard by his heavenly Father. And the people who brought him here, brought him there, they knew that their friend had no chance of being healed unless they stepped in and brought him to the Lord Jesus. And that's what compels for us to pray. We feel in that way compelled to pray because we know that our lost friends have no chance of being healed in salvation unless we, unless we get on our knees ourselves and bring them to the Lord Jesus, speaking for them because they can't speak, asking for them because they can't ask to be saved. And it's remarkable in this history how that the very ones who made this healing possible, this these unseen others, that's what they are. They're unseen. They're unseen. They're the very ones who without them, there'd be no healing for this, for this poor person, and we know nothing about them. I mean, from this history, we don't know, we don't know how many they are. We don't know who they are. We don't even have the honor of having a third-person pronoun there in that verse, like them or they, or, you know, to give them the, the history does not say they brought unto him one that was possessed of the devil. It doesn't say then a person brought him unto him. All we have is then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, and that's just fine with them. That's fine with them because all they want is for their friend to be healed, and they're not protesting. They're not saying, We're, at least an honorable mention would be nice. You know, there are no shouts of, hey, what are we, chop liver? Where's our credit? You know, like those unseen others. And that's just fine with them, and it's fine with us. It's fine with us that we don't get credit for the vital role we play in praying a lost person who gets salvation. Like those unseen others, we don't feel like we need to be recognized. Those unseen others, their reward was complete when they saw their friend saved and healed. And that's our reward. That's our reward as well. The complete reward was, verse 22, verse 22, the blind and dumb man both spake and saw. And can you imagine this scene? Can you imagine this scene of this unseen others? They're standing behind this man, and the, and the Lord Jesus there has just been healed. The first person that the man sees, and when he's made to see again, is the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful. Just like us, after we die, the first person we're going to look forward to see I want to see Jesus, first of all. And the first words that come out of this man's mouth, the first time he can speak, he says to the Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. Like all of us, can raise from the dead. Going to be raised from the dead. First words, we're going to say to the Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. And the man is standing there worshiping the Lord Jesus, telling him thank you. And then we can just kind of picture that man turning around, you know, facing the Lord Jesus, turns around and he looks at the people, brought him there, and he goes, okay. <laughs> no, he can speak this time. He says, thank you to them. Yeah? That's wonderful. And uh, in essence, he's saying, you know, I wouldn't have been healed unless you brought me here. But I wouldn't have been. And that's going to be what it's going to be like for us 
in heaven as well. For those who brought us to the Lord were saved, that we'll be able to say thank you to them. Now, so what we learn, if we kind of sort of digest out some points here about prayer, from verse 22, and we summed up, we say, first of all, there are the unseen others, and we pray as unseen others. They loved this man. We pray because we love the lost. They cared for this man. We pray because uh, we not just love, we take the step to pray because we care. They felt, they felt, and we pray because we feel the pain and misery of the lost. And they knew, they knew, and we pray because we know what the lost does not know. We see what the lost does not see. We see a certainty of heaven and hell. We see an exclusivity of coming by either having the Lord Jesus Christ or not having the Lord Jesus Christ as far as entering heaven goes. And, uh, and then last, we don't care. We don't care about getting credit for ourselves, get credit for praying or being vital in that lost person's life. All right, now, come now, we look at this person and we see that there's an underlying reason for why this man could not see or speak, because he's possessed with a devil. The record says he's possessed with a devil. Unless we were told that, we wouldn't know that. The man didn't have a sign around him, and he walked around that said, I can't speak, and I can't read, because I'm possessed with a devil. We're, just, we're told this. And so the battle now is really getting hot between Christ and Satan. And what happened to this man to make him blind or dumb? We don't know. And how it arrived in his life that he was blind and dumb? We don't know. And when he was blind, became blind and dumb? We don't know that either. But what we do know is that this man was in a very sad state of being blind and dumb. And he wasn't just oppressed by the devil, and he wasn't just tormented by the devil, and he wasn't just depressed by the devil, he was possessed by the devil, which meant that he was one of the devil's possessions, property. And the devil could do with him whatever he wanted to do, and what he wanted to do was cut off his communication with anyone. So he severs this man's sight and speech. So this man's blindness, this man's dumbness, were some of the works of the devil. Some of the works of the devil. And it's the works, it was the works of the devil that was the specific target of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came to earth, which is told to us in 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of of the devil. That was his purpose. And we can just picture the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth and saying to himself, saying to himself, where are the works of the devil? Where are the works of the devil? Because my purpose in coming here is to destroy those works of the devil. And so this man comes along and we can picture the Lord Jesus saying, ah, here it is. Here's the works of the devil. I've been looking for this. This man's blindness is a work of the devil. I came to destroy this work of the devil that made this man blind. There, I give this man sight, so I destroy the work of the devil. And the same he did with the man's dumbness, because his purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. When he found this work of the devil, this man's dumbness, he cured it, he was speak, 
And that brought to the Lord, you can imagine, a certain satisfaction in destroying that blindness and dumbness. It's that same satisfaction of fulfillment when you and I set ourselves out to do a job, right? This cup broke, and I've got this super glue, and I'm going to put it back together, and, and you put it back together, and you look at the cup and says, ah, that feels good. I fixed that cup. That's the way he felt. That's the way he felt as he destroyed the works of the devil. So this conditions of being blind and dumb this man had from the power of Satan, this, as we said, it wasn't just a physical condition, and it was a spiritual condition which involved the Lord coming and overcoming and conquering this devil in order to heal this man. And um, that's what makes the statement in verse 22 all the more powerful when it says the blind and the dumb spake and saw. The blind and dumb spake and saw because he overcame and conquered that devil in that man. It's symbolic of what happens when Satan is overcome in a person, when that person comes out from being under the power of Satan, that person's eyes are opened so he can see what that blind man saw, what it says in John 1, he saw the glory of God in Jesus. His eyes were open. He could see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as it says in Corinthians. And that person's lips were open so that he could praise the Lord Jesus more and pray more effectively. Now our focus is now going to be moved from this man to the people, to the people who are standing around this man who had just been healed, and what their response was. And their response in verse 23 is, in verse 23, all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So all the people were amazed. It says amazed. Existeme. Existeme. So it's made up of two Greek words, ex, which means out, and histeme means standing. So they were like, they were out of standing. In other words, we would say ourselves they were beside themselves or, or they were blown away. Right? And the people speak and they said, oh, is not this the son of David? So when they made that comment, when they said those words, those were fighting words to another group, to another group who heard them. And that group was the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees heard that, they say, oh boy. The people are doing something that we don't want them to do. They're, they are thinking for themselves. That's what they were doing there. They're looking at those miracles miracle they've done on this man, and they say, conclude. i got to conclude. He must be the son of David. They must be. Right? And on this day, the people are seeing the Lord for themselves, and they're coming to the conclusion, he's the long-awaited Messiah, son of David. He's the long-awaited deliverer, son of David. He's the long-awaited king, son of David. He's the long-awaited redeemer, son of David. He's the long-awaited mighty God, son of David. From Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called the mighty God. So the people are seeing this for themselves, and the people are thinking for themselves, and the people are concluding for themselves of who he is. Now, there's something very interesting here because there's a mysterious link between verse 22 and 23. And it goes like this. The man 
that was brought to the Lord was blind under the power of Satan, and the Lord broke the power of Satan in that man, and the man saw. The people who are watching this, verse 23, they don't know it, but they are also spiritually blind. The people are blind and under the power of Satan. And the people have just seen that the Lord Jesus is the son of David. He's the Messiah. He's the mighty God, son of David. They've just seen that on that day. And what happens next, what's happening immediately next, is described for us in principle in Mark 4.15, Mark 4.15, which says, these are they by the wayside where the seed is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the people are seeing in verse 23 that the Lord Jesus is the long-awaited son of David. And then what happens? What happens is Mark 4.15. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away. Taketh away what they saw. And what did Satan take away when he came immediately? Satan came and took away 2 Corinthians 4.4 again, 2 Corinthians 4.4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ was the image of God should shine unto them. Sight is what was taken away immediately. At that time in verse 23, the people used their minds to reason, and that made them see this is this Lord, this Jesus is the Son of David. It was their minds that caused them to conclude and see that the Lord Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah and mighty God. And so Satan comes immediately and blinds their minds, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 2 Corinthians 4.4, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds. And that's the mysterious link between verse 22 and 23. The people could see in verse 23, and they watched a man blinded a blinded man by the devil receive his sight in verse 22, while the people then are then blinded by the same devil that blinded the man. And the people didn't even know that they were being blinded by the devil. Because the people standing by there, without even knowing it, they were being influenced and they were being manipulated by the Pharisees who immediately got in with their blinding. You know what this is like? This is like the people are like Samson, and the Pharisees are like the Pharisees are like the Philistines who came with their branches when they got Samson on the ground and rammed those branches into Samson's eye sockets and gouged his eyes out, blinding him. And they did this in verse 24, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. It was when the Pharisees heard the people say, that the Lord Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, mighty son of David, that this ignited the flames of their jealousy, the jealousy that is described in Proverbs 6.34, 6.34. Jealousy is the rage of a man. And they knew that they had to shift into overdrive, the Pharisees did, and pull out all the stops against the Lord Jesus, and they did pull out all the stops, and they leveled at the Lord the strongest insult that they could as they accused him of being an instrument it's an instrument of Satan himself. The Pharisees heard the Lord Jesus called by a name, a beautiful name, the son of David. And so the Pharisees knew we got a problem. 
we got a big problem. It's all about the name here, and we got to inject quick a new name for Jesus, just the opposite of the son of David. So they start off and they say, this fellow, this fellow. They call him this fellow. He's not this fellow. He's not the man upstairs. He is 1 Timothy 6.15, 1 Timothy 6.15. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's a Revelation 22.16, Revelation 22.16, bright and morning star. But this is the start of the blinding. This is the start of the blinding, how Satan is going to blind the minds by calling him this fellow. Reminds me of the re, uh, report we just got um, this morning from Adina over in, uh, it was on her way to Kano, Nigeria to bring the gospel to them. And uh, she writes about how the Lord's name was disparaged. She says, as we, board, as we waited to board our flight to Nigeria, we were chatting with the lady behind us who was traveling to Lagos in Nigeria South. When we told her we were traveling to Kano in Nigeria's far south, she gasped. She said the Lord's name, Jesus Christ. Why in the world? Why are you going there? We responded, yes, he's the one who sent us there. <laughs> she looked a little confused, but the man standing behind her, also Nigerian, smiled and nodded that he understood. Names are very powerful, very powerful. That's Satan's strategy today. You ever wonder why the name of Jesus Christ is used as a, in a profane way and a, as a swear word? If a person doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, why use his name? Why you bother? Why don't you just leave him alone? Why don't you just leave the name alone? Because using the name of Jesus Christ to swear in profanity, it's purposeful. It's purposeful today, as it was when Satan drove those Pharisees in verse 24 to call the Lord this fellow. It was then, it's today, profaning the name of the Lord Jesus to take away from him his honor and his respect is a way that Satan blinds the minds from 2 Corinthians 4.4 of them which believe not, so that the light of the gospel doesn't get in. Then after the Pharisees are brought the Lord down in the minds of the people by calling this fellow, they go one step further and they say, but when the Pharisees heard it, verse 24, verse 24, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. If they could have, they would have denied the fact that he did a miracle in the first place. That's eh, not a miracle. It just, he didn't really, he wasn't, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They had to accept the man was blind, the man couldn't speak, the man speaks, the man has sight. They had to acknowledge that. So they said, well, what are we going to do now? They're going to say, yes, he has, he did cast out the devil, but let me explain how he did it. He's in league with the devil, don't you know? He is a, he's a partner with the chief devil himself. They have a union, a secret contract. An agreement, they're working together, they're setting a trap for you people. He's a very dangerous person. They countered the, this is the son of David with, this is the partner of Satan. Yeah, that was their strategy. Very personal attack, horrible accusation. And we're gonna see next time how the Lord responded, not with emotion, but with reason. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ, what a prize, what a treasure. We're getting to appreciate him more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.